We are in level one, lesson five, the nature of God. So uh, don't forget about the FAQ um, email if you need to ask a question or whatever. Um, I do know there's a couple of people that are not here that are taking care of some business as far as uh, helping a lady uh, move out of a... So the nature of God. So last time we talked about the character of God, the righteousness by God, those things. And I, we went over a few um, deals about like what we defined, what is relationship. Relationship is the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected or the state of being connected. So when you're in a relationship, you're connected to someone or even something, okay? Uh, the state of being connected by blood or marriage um, in a way in which two or more people or groups regard and behave towards each other. Uh, character, mental and ethical traits marking and often individualizing a person, group, or a nation. One of the attributes or features that make up and, and distinguish an individual. And then we said nature. Nature was the disposition or the temperament of someone. Uh, we simplified that by saying it's a simplified mode of life resembling this condition. Um, this condition would be whatever the condition is, okay? Uh, that the life that would look like that nature of that thing. And it also it goes a little deeper to say a person's usual way of feeling or behaving. Now, this sounds kind of odd talking about God in that way, saying, well, how does God feel or how does he behave? It almost sounds like you could hurt God's feelings or he behaves wrongly or whatever, right? He's God, okay? But does he have feelings? He must because it says he's love. Um, is he, you know, um, does he have, um, well, let me say this. <clears throat> Can we grieve God's heart? We hear people say that sometimes. <clears throat> the point being is that if we understand the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the Scriptures tell us don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Right? So if the Holy Spirit can be grieved, that means that God can be grieved. Now, God doesn't get mad and get off the throne, throw a hissy fit, all that kind of stuff. Right? His grief is more like my kids know what should be going on. Right? They know and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about tonight. They know what I'm asking them to do. And, ah, uh, if they would just listen to me. You know, most of us in here got kids going through that situation like when they're growing up. Especially when they hit those teenage years. And you're trying to tell them things, especially when they start getting into, like, first relationships or and even friendships, right? Like, hey, Bobby, you know, this may not be the best thing for you. Oh, it's okay. And then they end up getting hurt, right? And... Like I said, you know, you should set your kids up to fail. And what I mean by that is if you know that your kid's going to, you know, when I say get hurt, I'm not necessarily talking about physically or even emotionally, mentally, but I'm just saying, you know, things may not work out for them, right? Um, I listened to this comedian one time, Jeff Allen. I don't know if you guys know who I'm talking about. But he was talking about his kid wanted to buy a new truck. And so he, he had a coffee can and he was putting all his change in it. And he was like, I'm not going to bust his bubble. So I told him, I said, go get your coffee can. We're going down to the dealership. He was going to let the dealer bust his bubble about his $5.17 he had saved in the coffee can, buy a new car, right? So, I mean, like, you know, those kinds of things where you can kind of control the, the fall, if you will. And then you help your kids walk through that thing, right? But there's other times when you're just like adamantly like, no, right? Case in point, um, I've, I've told this story before, Sherry, 
Um, our youngest came to us. He wanted to spend the night with a friend. She said, no, I don't feel good about it. You're just going to have to trust me. <clears throat> and he was kind of like, what do you, you know, like, what do you mean? And she's like, you just got to trust me that I, something's not right here. And so he, he said, okay. Well, what was it, about three weeks later um, when he found out that there was, there was issues there. <laughs> there was, so he did, the, the, the place that he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, a young lady that was there, the mom, uh, was hitting on some of the boys. There was alcohol. I mean, just, you know. Not a good situation, right? And so, anyway, that, there again, we, we, we do those things, and that's what I'm saying. You don't, you don't set your kids up to fail in that sense, right? But uh, just like riding a bike, you know they're going to fall, right? So you take them to a soft area, hopefully. Um, you don't take them on the asphalt, but, you know, you, you control that a little bit. You don't let them just go 5,500 miles an hour, right? You kind of keep a little bit of a pace, and then when they fall, it's, it's not as bad, right? So we see... In this nature of God, the very first uh, sentence in your study um, uh, lessons says this. To have a positive relationship with the Lord, we must know His nature and His real character. If we need to know His real character, what could that imply? That there's a false character. And who is the accuser? Satan. Right? So... Um, we want to make sure that we understand the real character of God and the real nature. Why is this important? Not everybody at one time. Why is it important in order for us to have a positive relationship that we know his nature and his real character? Okay. Y'all didn't hear that? Talking about Adam and Eve, talking about hearing his voice. If we don't know his nature, his character. I mean, has everyone, I, I hate to say, what a show of hands, but has, probably most everybody in here has thought they've heard from God and only to find out later that it really wasn't God. It was probably just bad pizza, right? Just had some indigestion. And uh, Sherry and I have been there. Right? And so everybody's done it, right? And that's, that's part of learning, right? And if you don't ever, you know, the Bible tells us to test the spirits. And, and we see the implication that we're testing the spirit, like what's coming at. Is this the, is this the devil? Is he telling me? Is this, what is this? Is this from God? Da, da. But we need to test that with everything. And how are you going to know unless you step out? Now, don't, don't hear me wrong. If you're on top of a tall building and you hear the spirit say, jump off, <laughs> test that spirit, okay? <laughs> the Bible says, don't tempt the Lord your God. Right? That's what happened when the devil took, uh, took uh, Jesus up to the, to the mountain and said, look, I'm going to give you all this. Hey, throw yourself off. Hey, won't you just turn this rock into bread? All this stuff, right? That he knew the scriptures and he knew the nature of his father. And he was like, no, this is, this is not what this is all about. Okay? So why is it important? Why is it important that we <clears throat> know? Let me just say this. Everybody in here probably at some point in some time has heard something that went thwing in your spirit when you heard it. Okay, um, I'm just going to, I'm not going to pull any punches or anything like that, but 
I'm not trying to bring up any emotions or anything like that, just the cold hard facts. When someone says, especially when someone loses someone to death, okay, we will try to say and do anything we can to try to comfort ourselves or someone else. I can remember as a kid hearing this, and it sounded strange when I was 9 or 10 years old. Well, I guess God needed another flower in heaven. You mean to tell me that the God that created the heavens and the earth didn't have enough flowers in heaven? That he needed to take little Johnny, and little Johnny was only 12 and a half years old? Or, you, don't, you hear what I'm saying, right? Or even somebody says, well, <clears throat> you know, everything's in God's will. So you mean, I, and I've asked people this, how would you kill your kid? What? So how would you kill your kid? I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. You mean to tell me that the God that I serve would put your husband, brother, aunt, sister, cousin, whatever, in a car, drive them 70 miles an hour down the road and crash them into a tree? It's not the God I serve. That's not his nature. That's not his character. But if I don't know his nature and I don't know his character, let alone have I ever opened this book up, I just know what Grandma and Grandpa used to tell me and Uncle Roy down there and, and Aunt Sue and they, have, they was all mixed up too, right? Then I'll have the wrong nature, the wrong character. And I'll start believing this, that everything that bad happens in my life is somehow God's will. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Conflict, yeah, yeah. Yeah, have a good sick. Yeah. I mean, what would you think, like what Kelly said, what would you think if, if somebody that believed that, okay, and there are many that do, here again, I don't hate you because you believe that. I think that you're missing what the scriptures tell us, okay? But if somebody believed that, and they said, man, I, you know, I've got this really bad, whatever. And I just said, oh, man, I am so sorry. Father, I pray that this sickness is so bad and so <laughs> terrible that it just releases everything. They'd be like, get your hands off of me, right? I'm just praying the will of God, right? I mean, when you start, it's kind of like, it, man, I'm going to get political here. It's, when we started saying, hey, let's just let boys go in the girls' bathroom and girls go, blah, 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 right? We didn't understand. It may sound good on paper, and all of us in here have been in crisis mode where all the bathrooms like, I'll just go in the whip, right? That's not what we're talking about here. We know that there are people that are willing to use that to their advantage, if you will, right? To pray on people. And we go, no, 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 we can't do that. Because we didn't stop and logically think, hey, I've had this happen to me before. Because I don't, I mean, I've, I've looked at Sherry before and go, wow, how do they think of that? Like a, like a crime or something, right? I'm like, I would have never thought, because we don't think like criminals, right? People that are scamming people, taking the time to make a page look like Amazon or whatever and then send out a book and find somebody to... I mean, dude, it, you got so much talent. <laughs> I think about, um, what was the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever his name is about the counterfeiter? Catch me if you can. Catch me if you can. True story, Right? That guy was a genius. I mean, you know at the end of the movie, right, they actually capture him, but they actually reduce his sentence because he actually goes and teaches the FBI his tricks. 
so that they could catch counterfeiters. <laughs> I mean, it's like, wow. But if these people worked as hard at doing something positive as they did something to the criminal side, they'd be millionaires, right? So in this, why is it important that we have a, a proper understanding, a proper um, um, idea, if you will, perception of the nature and the character of God? We can know. Let me go, and I'm going to say something really harsh here, okay? It's so you can judge. Well, the Bible says you shouldn't judge. No, the Bible says you shouldn't judge unless you be judged. It says the way that you judge is the way God could possibly judge you. You look at somebody's clothes and go, he might look at you and go, you ain't dressed appropriately either, right? But we do judge. We judge by the word. That's why when I, when I can go to someone and say, hey, look, you're in this sin of whatever. You can't judge me. I'm not. The scriptures have already judged you. <laughs> I'm just pointing out maybe you're blindsided by this, right? It's not, that, it's not that I'm judging you, saying I'm better than you. I'm saying this is not good character. This is not good whatever, right? So, yes, we can judge. The Bible does. If we look at a tree, we'll know it by its fruits. If you look at a tree and it's got potatoes hanging off of it, everything's wrong, okay? <laughs> there are no potato trees. So, what a, to our point, why must we know these things? Because we've got to have the right perspective. We've got to understand, hey, when something happens and I can step back and go, hmm, this doesn't line up with the nature of God. It doesn't look like the character of God. Therefore, it must be from the enemy's camp. John 10.10 10 tells us, hey, there's a litmus test. Use this test. If it comes to steal from you, kill you, or destroy you, it did not come from God. Every good and perfect gift. And we're going to see in just a minute how all this correlates because we've, we've been mixed up in our minds and emotions for a long time. All right? So, as we go through here, if you guys were reading all of this stuff, it gets down into the third paragraph. Um, and it starts talking a little bit about some of the nature. Before we get too deep into this, let me ask you this. Um, what are some of the words that we use to describe God's nature? Faithful, truthful, loving, righteous, merciful, loving. Again, holy, he's what? He's what? Oh. I'm going to give you a couple other ones. How about omniscient, omnipresent, self-existing, eternal. We heard love. Here's the thing, and you've heard me say this time and time again. Be careful if anybody wants to take a word. Hijack it and give it its own definition. The Bible says God is love. He gets to define it. Nobody else gets to define it. God is love. He is love. He defines what love is. You and I do not define that. He's already defined it. As a matter of fact, he demonstrated it in his son Jesus. Jesus modeled what love looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. First Corinthians 13, right? All the things. <clears throat> um, what about the names of God? Is there anything in the names of God that give us any inkling about his nature or character? Healer, which is Jehovah Rapha. 
Jehovah's, um, um, Jehovah Jireh, Sigkanu, righteousness, El Shaddai. What about Yahweh? Do you know that the um, people, the Hebrew people, if you read in the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, you usually see the YWHW, or you'll see um, Hashem. Hashem. And Hashem was the word that they gave to God's name to let people know that Yahweh goes here, but it's so holy we don't even speak it. So when you read that in the scripture. So if you ever want to know where Yahweh is in your Bible, when you see the Lord, all caps, that's Yahweh. The translators of the, of the Bible, how do, we, how do we translate this? So when you see the Lord with all caps, that's usually Yahweh. Jehovah and Yahweh were, so the, the Greeks or shall we say the translators translated Yahweh to Yehovah, okay, which is Jehovah, all right, so, huh, with vowels in it, yeah, and, and today um, Yahweh does have vowels, okay, so, um, and we'll, I, I, I didn't have any in this lesson, but I'll have some um, later on, but I'll show you how the vowels are marked in there so you can if you want to read Hebrew or whatever, you can. But you can uh, Elohim. That's another one that you're going to see a lot is Elohim. Um, so what's interesting is that when you remember in um, in the Exodus when Moses said, "God, who am I going to tell them is sending me?" and he said, "What was the? It was the great what statement? I am." So Yahweh, Elohim, translated is. I will be who I will be. That's strong. I will be who I will be. You, Moses said, God, who should I tell him? He said, you tell him I will be who I will be. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> I am. Yeah, yeah. Powerful, yeah. And you know, I, as I'm reading this and, and studying this out and, and thinking about the reverence that they gave to Yahweh, that name, that they wouldn't write it. As a matter of fact, there's some uh, historical documents that say that the scribes, when they, would, when they would be writing, when they would get to Yahweh, they would stop. They would go take a bath. They would cleanse themselves, put on new clothes, get a new pen, and come in and write Y-W-H-W. Put that pen back, go out, go take a bath, take those clothes off, get into another set and come in and start. And have you ever read where it says, and God said, God, God, those people was clean, you know what I'm saying? Because they taken four, five, ten baths, right? And then somebody had to come back in and inspect it, but that's how much they reverenced that name. You know, the unfortunate part is, and, and I don't, I don't want to make light of this. I don't want to I don't make this sound tricky. But think about the Israelites. They're saying, I love God. They see God miraculously move them out of slavery and into freedom. And they're still, it's still not enough, right? I mean, you and I would, you know, we used to say things like, man, if Jesus was here. Well, number one, he is. <laughs> number two, no, you wouldn't because you'd probably be just like these people. These people had food falling out the sky, right? And by day, there was this huge cloud 
by night there was this huge fire, right? And nobody even talks about the rock that followed them. Did you know there was a rock that followed them? Go read your Bibles. The water came out of the rock and it said the rock followed them. So you're walking and this boulder, whoa, this boulder's following you. You mean that's in there? It's in there. But then what did they do? Oh, man, you bring us out here to die. We need to go back to Egypt, man. We got three squares, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, but look at your back. Yeah, I know, but man, I at least had a place to lay down. Did you bring us out here to die, Moses? Three million people, some scholars believe. And only two people liked him, Aaron and Joshua. And you think you got problems. 2.999 million people didn't like Moses. So we see this. Um, Romans 5.13 kind of gives us, if you, if you were reading in your um, lesson plans, uh, that third paragraph about halfway through, it's talking about um, Romans 5.13 says, Until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there was no law. So this is an interesting um, revelation, shall we say. So what it's talking about is that how could there be a breaking of the law if you didn't know what the law was, right? How could you speed on the interstate if you didn't know what the speed was? How could you be in trouble for doing something that you didn't know you were doing wrong, right? And so, um, so the police have a way of getting around that. They say, well, ignorance is no excuse, right? <clears throat> so... I think God may be a little bit of the same mind in the sense that, like, if you remember in this new covenant that he gave us, he said in this new covenant, I'm going to write the law on their hearts. It's not going to be on stones of tablet, tablets of stone. It's going to be on their, in their hearts. They're going to know. So all this argument, and we, we won't get into this tonight, but all this argument about, well, yeah, but what about the people? You know, don't we always, like, pick the <clears throat> most far-out-reaching thing and it's like, you know, to me, it's kind of like the splinter in somebody's eye and the log in your own. Right? I want to ask these people, well, what about these people? Well, what about you? Have you decided? Before we get to these people that haven't heard anything, have you? Have you decided? Have you made that commitment? So anyway, in all of this, Romans is telling us that sin, there was a time in God's creation where he did not impute sin to men. We see this in the garden. Now, there was consequences to their actions, but he did not impute their sins to them. All right? They were still blameless. You go, how could that be? Because he's God. <laughs> okay? So, we're going we're to dive into this just a little bit here. So, it says that, yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. So, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Romans, to chapter 5. Go to Acts and go one more book over. You're there. <clears throat> yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Verse 13. Now, does anybody know why the law was given? Okay. Okay, so let's drop down to verse 20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were, 
But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Now remember, Paul's talking here, and we see him say again when he starts talking about, hey, next chapter 2, where sin abounds, grace does more abound. All right? I was troubled with that. What are we trying to say? Now watch. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more. Now, if you're sinning, you know what you're doing. Okay, what I mean by that is that you, you've, you've known what those, the laws are, right? And you've refused them, you've rebelled against them. You're in now a state of sin nature, okay? But watch this. God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Ephesians says, for by grace you are saved. What was the abundant grace that came? His name was Yeshua. His name was Jesus. The grace that he exhibited by laying his life down and saying, remember what grace is, God's unmerited favor and the power to do what God's asked you to do. Grace came and said people were sinning and sinning and sinning. Remember, there was 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. God did not speak. It was dark. As a matter of fact, in history, we call them the dark ages. And we always wondered, why do why we call them the dark ages? Did anybody get taught that in school? No. They are at Joshua Academy. <laughs> What was the dark ages? God didn't speak. That's why they call them the dark ages. Yes, ma'am. Um, there's a lot of speculation on that. Um, I don't know if there is a true answer. Like, I mean, there's nothing scriptural that says, hey, God just went quiet. I think maybe God was setting the stage. He had to wait for some time frames to hit. Um, there again, some say, well, why did Jesus, why did God wait to bring Jesus into the Roman Empire? Because, I mean, we're still talking about the Roman Empire. Right? It's, it's greatness, it's conquering power. But Jesus came in the middle of that, right? And said, I'm, I'm, I'm greater than all this. The greatest nation besides us in the history. Right? I mean, that could probably be argued, but I'm just saying. What are people talking about right now? When I say people, um, carnally speaking. They're talking about the United States is, is on the exact same path that Rome was. Rome fell. What happened to Rome? They started having homosexual orgies and all kinds of crazy stuff. And they started having, I mean, it got out of hand quick. And it imploded. People in high power that started doing crazy things and blah, blah, blah. Okay. People are, it's being equated. Right? So I can't give you a solid answer. Well, here's why God waited. Theologians, people smarter than I. They speculate. They try to figure things out. We just know that at the end of the Old Testament, there was 400 years. Some say it's uh, types and shadows of the 400 years that the Egyptians spent in slavery. So this was, the world was basically enslaved, if you will. Here comes a Savior. Frees them. Types and shadows. Okay. I mean, some of these things we go, okay, sounds cool. Yeah, what about this one? Okay, sounds cool. I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't affect my salvation. It doesn't make me go, well, God's not who God is, right? No, God is exactly who God is, and he knows. And maybe one day, if it's important to us when we get there, we'll be like, hey, God, why'd you wait 400 years to talk? Well, let me show you, right? 
I don't think it's going to make him mad that we'd ask that. Yes. Yeah, no, you ask as many as you want. Mm -hmm. They did. Their sin was not imputed. They didn't die because they sinned. They died because they disobeyed God. That word die in the Hebrew is die, die. It's two deaths, physical and spiritual. And they did do both of those. Yes. And so when they ate that, remember, and we're going to talk about this here in just a minute. You bring up a, bring up a good point. God told them, on the day that you eat this, you shall surely die. He gave them a consequence for their actions. Okay? We don't see the sin thing come in until we get into Exodus 19 where we see Moses start talking about the law. But why did God destroy, why did he flood the earth? Because the people were so bad. They had just, they run amok. <laughs> they, got, they lost their minds, all right? And we're going to see what happened there. Now, we have touched on it a little bit about the Nephilims, that kind of a thing. What was going on at that time when these, you know, people were running around in the earth and they were... Uh, procreating with women, you know, it says that the sons of God were sleeping with the sons of uh, man, meaning that, hey, these um, demonic creatures were having babies with um, uh, women, and they were producing these really bad people, right? And so there again, you go, well, how's that all? Well, there again, let's look at God created man. The devil cannot create, so he has to take what God created and corrupt it, right? And that's, that's what the Nephilim were in, in a small nutshell. But what we see is that, but as people sin more and more, grace became more abundant. It doesn't mean that grace just kept getting more and more because people had this, saying, listen, this grace that God brought, what did, what did God tell uh, Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. There ain't no more. Paul, you're not getting any more grace. You got all the grace you're going to get. Just like if you ask for power. I asked God for power one time. God, if I had more power, he said, son, you've got all the power you're ever going to get. It's how you use it. Now, I never was trained in explosives other than uh, basic demolition, how to, how to take a uh, blasting cap, put in some C4, shove it in a hole, and blow something up, okay? But there are guys that are trained, and they can take a small amount of explosives and shape it, what they call a shape charge, and they can make it do crazy things, <laughs> Right? I mean, there's a science behind the whole thing. How do we bring down buildings and stuff and control demos so it doesn't, you know, like in New York City and stuff, we see these buildings that are so close, they have to come straight down, right? Yeah. They have to come straight down. They can't just... So there's a science behind that of how to do all those kinds of things. So that's what I'm saying. The power's there. We just got to learn how to... And it's not really control, how to use it properly, right? Does that make sense? How to, how to use that... Uh, power properly. And I would say that um, probably if we're honest, um, there are times when God doesn't answer our prayers because he says, listen, I can't reward that thinking. If I, if I answer that prayer or if I let you have what you want right now, you're going to think that it's you or a method or what. How many people, we see blind people and we go, get me some mud. Why? Because Jesus did it. Wait a minute. Jesus didn't say, do the things I do, meaning whatever I do, you do them. He said, do the things I do. What was he doing? He was listening to the Father, seeing what the Father was doing. So that's why we see sometimes when he would go up to people, he would cast demons on them. Sometimes he's laying hands on them and healing them 
the sickness. Is the sickness from the enemy's camp? Yeah. But one's dealt with a different fashion. When we do get into, <clears throat> when we get into Nephilims, we're going to talk about this a little bit. Why did Jesus tell the disciples, this one comes out by much prayer and fasting? Because when you start dealing with demons versus devils, the levels get different. Okay? And so that's just a little free nugget. So, oh, let me, let me tell you this before I forget. Um, Hebrew idioms. Um, how many of you know that Jesus said some tough things sometimes? <laughs> Do you remember when he's talking to one of his disciples and he says, hey, listen, I need to go bury my dad. And Jesus responds to him and says, let the dead bury the dead. Anybody ever troubled by that? So remember, Jesus is a Hebrew, right? And he's talking to Hebrew people. If you go to Genesis, um, when Abraham died, what did they do to him? Buried him. And then they moved, and what did they do? Huh? They took him. When Joseph, when all these old patriarchs, we're dying. Even Moses. What they do to them? They buried them. But then when they moved or something, what they do? They dug them up and took them with him. Jesus is saying, hey, that practice that you guys are practicing of bringing the dead back up, let the dead bury the dead. Leave them in the ground, man. <laughs> you ain't doing, it ain't doing you no good. He was saying, I need to go bury my dad because typically in the Hebrew culture, they would bury a person and, and then sometime between a year, year and a half, they would go dig them up and move them to a quote-unquote final resting place. So Jesus was challenging their, thought, their thinking, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't know what the Hebrew idiom was. He was speaking something to them that they understood, but you and I go, man, that sounds strange. It does sound strange, but Jesus was saying, let the dead bury the dead. Your dad's already dead. You buried him a year ago. There's no reason to dig him up and move him. It's no, it's, there's no help, right? Now, don't get me wrong. It's not a sin, okay? Some people say, oh, my gosh, my Aunt Betty, they had to move her from California. It's okay, <laughs> okay? It's okay. Sometimes things happen, right? It's, it's, it's not that it was a sin. He was just saying, listen, we don't have time for that. The time's now. We got we to gotta keep going, right? So just, just a freebie, I throw that out there. That's good stuff. <clears throat> so we've got, we see that the law was given us to see how this was to play out, to show us how bad we really were. Because remember, until the law was given, nobody knew that they were bad. They were just bad. <laughs> All right? I mean, there was no law during Moses' day, and the people were bad. I mean, they're like, hey, bring us out your, bring us out those guys that's going out there in your house. You know, the big guys, the big buffy ones. We want them. I mean, Lot's daughters slept with him, their dad, to try to preserve the lineage. Everybody's always jumping out in front of God, not trusting things, right? <laughs> Melissa, just, did you just throw up in your mouth a little bit? Okay. <laughs> we can erase that off the tape somewhere. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of some crazy stuff that was going on that people were like, you know, what in the world? But when you understand the culture, when you understand the days, the times, all that kind of stuff, you go, oh, this makes sense now. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah. It, it was, you know, I mean, you think about it. They didn't have the population that we have now, right? What's interesting is if you've ever watched these, um, like the secular scientists say there's no way that we could have only been here 6,000 years because of the people, the population, da, da, da. But then you have people that are way more brainiac than me. And they can do the math. And they go, okay, so let's go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Or no, they go all the way back to Noah. And they go, okay, so Noah, and he's got his family, and they procreate. And then they procreate. And so they, they start looking at what is the rate of birth that you would have to have for 6,000 years to get to this population. And it's like, I mean, it's doable. I mean, it's like 500 births a, a year or something like that. Well, we know that we're having more than 500 births now, right? And so they're like, no, this, this actually, the, the math actually plays out on this, that the earth is 6,000 years old. Here's the thing. I'm never going to argue with somebody that the earth is 6,000 years old and, and make them mad. The Bible actually says, don't argue with a fool, <laughs> right? And if you go, well, I think the earth, I'm not calling you a fool. I'm just saying, i got other things that I probably ought to be talking to you about than is the earth 6,000 years old or not. Doesn't have anything to do, right? If you think that the earth is a million bajillion years old, okay, I'm just telling you, as science progresses, as we get more and more technologically advanced, if you will, we're beginning to go, hey, wait, something ain't adding up. Where are all these intermediate species between the dinosaurs and the zebra? <laughs> uh, that Carl, uh, not Carl, I uh, can't think of the guy's name, that science guy, but talking about the woodpecker that, huh? No, no, not Bill Nye. No, this guy's a Christian guy. But he's talking about a woodpecker's tongue um, actually goes um, like around his head, like it's that long, Right? And so he's like, how come we've never found any fossils that have a tongue that's anywhere in between? They're, they're really short? That's it. Where are these intermediate ones that have? You know, he's asking people that are believing in evolution, where are these fossils at? Well, well, well I'm, where are they? I'm just asking. So if things had happened that way, there should be some evidence of those things, right? And we know, I, I believe the Big Bang. I think when God speaks, he goes, boom. <laughs> When he said, let there be light, I mean, the, the world woke up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It probably sounded, we, we know he speaks in a, in a thundering voice because if we kept reading, uh, reading, if we kept reading in Exodus, we see that when he goes up on the mountain, the Lord says, I'm going to talk to you, Moses, so the people can hear me. And they got scared. <laughs> Do you know what it says? It says, it says that they shook. Do you know what that, that word is? Yara. Yada is awe. Yada is fear. Fear the Lord. It's reverence. They were like, oh, when he spoke. Have you ever heard somebody come in and speak and they just commanded the room with their voice? You know? Um, I told you about our friend uh, Moses, Moses Uma. And when he would come in, oh, my friend. I mean, the whole, you could feel him speak to you. Your, your, your being would vibrate. Because his voice was so low. But when he spoke to you, he spoke as a man with authority. We hear that about Jesus, right? He's teaching, and they go, who's this guy, man? He teaches with authority, not like these guys. Uh, we believe that the earth is probably, and he comes in and goes, the earth, but why? Because he knows what he's talking about, right? When you're confident about something. When Jonathan and them were growing up, and <clears throat> I sent him after a, a wrench one time, <clears throat> I don't even remember what it was, Crescent Ranch or something. I said, hey, I need you to go eat my Crescent Ranch. So he runs and he goes and he gets it and he comes back. And it is. 
And he goes, here you go, Dad. And I said, is that a crescent wrench? And he looked at it, and he looked at me, and I said, is that a crescent wrench? I sent you after a crescent wrench. And he said, I said, it is. And he goes, yeah. I said, don't let my voice or my inflection change what you know to be true. And he went, okay. <laughs> now go change your pants. <laughs> but how many of us have, we run into people like that, right? They want to, you know, I mean, how do I say this nicely? I can't. In today's world, if I don't like what you're saying, when I say I, the powers that be, I will yell and scream you down, right? We can no longer have, well, it's getting to the point where you can't have open debate. And what I mean by that is you see these guys that go to these college campuses and groups come in just to shop them down. We don't like you. We don't agree with your ideas. And therefore, we're not going to give you a platform to speak them. We're going to shout you down. We're going to, you know. I'm just waiting on one of those guys to reel, wheel around in the true power and the authority of Christ and say, you devils, get out of this building right now in the name of Jesus, every last one of you. And they, they will not have any ability to stay there. I mean, I've, I see that time coming. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I, did, I, I think I did. Yeah, I think I do remember that. James Earl Jones is all, I think God sounds like James Earl Jones. Maybe not. But, so this nature of things, okay? So let's, let's go to this. Let's go to, if you've got your Bibles, um, who has, does anybody have an amplified? You got an amplified? Okay, uh, go to um, Proverbs 29. We're going to be there for just a second here. Proverbs 29. <clears throat> Excuse me. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. I'm going to read it out of the NLT. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Now, what does the Amplified say? That's a 2918 now, the Amplified. Where there is no vision, no revelation of God in His Word, the people are unrestrained, but happy and blessed is He who keeps the law of God. Hers goes, you've probably got the revised, uh, amplified. I've got the original. Um, yeah, it's, it's fine. It just added in there, it keeps the law of God and man. Speaking, you know, the, the Bible tells us to keep the laws of man, keep the laws of the, of the um, um, or obey the laws of the land. 
And that's kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as long as they don't violate God's laws, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some of the laws do not pertain to you because of the, what they're asking you or, or telling you you can or cannot do, right? So um, what's interesting is that it says that where there's no vision, no revelation of God in His Word, that's what vision is. The people are unrestrained. They go nuts. They go crazy. They burn cities down and stuff. Without guidance from God, law and order disappear. But God blesses everyone who obeys His law. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now listen, keeping the law here does not mean probably what you think it means. Remember the Old Testament, and we have people that say, well, we don't keep the law anymore. Well, that's true. The reason that they kept the law was because they were trying to obtain something, okay? They were trying to get in good with God, if you will, right? We no longer keep the law to get in good with God because we've been made righteous through His Son, Jesus' blood. But the law still applies to us. Murder's still wrong, right? Adultery's still not right. I mean, we still should honor our mother and father, right? So these are, these are rules, if you will, that we live by, but this is pleasing to God. So we want to be in that place. All this is saying is when we don't have any vision, the people run crazy. So why do we get upset when we see heathens acting like heathens? They're just doing what they know. Right? It's our job to come and say, hey, there's a better way than this. Not your way, but Yahweh. Right? He's got the goods. As we look at this, let's go over to Psalms 1. That's the very first psalm. Psalm 1, right after Job. This is what Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they, who's they? Those who follow the Lord. Delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. What is the law? Can I tell you this? The first five books of the Bible are called the law. All right? It's called the Torah, but it's called the law. What is it? It's about how God's saying, here's how, we're, here's how I want to interact with you. Right? Now, remember, we live in a better covenant, right? At that time, they couldn't come into the Holy of Holies. They could not have a personal relationship with God. In a better covenant, we can. All right? But it was still in the law that God was revealing who he was, who he is to these people. Okay? So, uh, you got the Amplified? Read it out of the Amplified. Psalms 1, 1 and 2. Stop. Prosperity is not in the scriptures. Read verse 1 again.
Man, they went a long way around the mulberry bush to get there, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing. That, so the Amplified took that word blessed, and they said, what's the Hebrew meaning? And they spelled it out, right? It, it's like salvation. Soza. Sozo. It, there's, it's a very encompassing. So in the Hebrew language, so I am, in, um, I, am, I am five weeks deep into my Hebrew classes, okay? And about eight weeks is what it takes to just get to the basics. And then by week 16... I'm supposed to be somewhat fluid, and then by, this is a nine-month course, and then I've got another nine-month course that comes after it, and at the end of that nine months, I should be able to read uh, with no translation. In other words, I can read Hebrew and understand the, the meaning, okay? And I, 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 I prefaced all that to say this. What we're learning in the Hebrew is that words are connected to one another by the alphabet, okay? So, when we talked about salt, Salt, the word in Hebrew is uh, melech, okay? It's mem, uh, het, and um, um, thank you. Mem, uh, lamed, and het. Mem, lem, and um, um, het, which is C-H. You say it, hech, like you got something hung up in your throat. Those three letters... There's other words that have those three letters attached to them too, and they're all root words that go back. And, and that's why this Hebrew can paint this huge picture, okay? And that's why one word can have a positive and a negative attached to it. Depending on how you use it, it differentiates if it's in the negative or if it's in the positive, okay? The reason I say all that is to say when we're reading this and we see a word like blessed, we attach a Western mentality to it. And we say to people, I got a new car, man, I'm blessed. You may be, and that's true, not take anything away. But you're now required to go to work every day because if you make a, miss a payment, they're going to come get your blessing, <laughs> right? So you have to go, how blessed are you? <laughs> Me and my, my oldest son we were sitting down the other day, and I said, I said, Jonathan, I said, man, the more I'm studying Hebrew, I said, God tells us we're supposed to work, right? I get that. I said, but who said it's got to be eight hours a day, five days a week, or six days a week, right? Who says God? I said, let's look back at the, at the, the uh, Latino community. First time I went to Mexico, the place shut down about 11.30, 11.45, didn't open up about 3 o'clock. What are these people doing? Siesta, man. They're resting. I mean, the cities were shut down. You didn't get no drink. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Here, we're 24-7, man. Everybody wants to go to the Big Apple so I can stay up all night and do what? Ain't nothing good after 9 o'clock used to be midnight. It's nine, nine o'clock is the new midnight for the 50-year-olds, okay? Amen? <laughs> yeah. Could have been. I mean, I, I, I just don't know if we were designed. Let me say this. And, man, this is going to get me in some trouble, probably even on this podcast, because somebody's going to hear this and going to be like, well, 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 but before you do, before you send me emails and all that stuff, you better take into consideration my heart, what I'm fixing to say. Um, we talk about slavery and like we need to get rid of slavery. Well, the world is trying to get rid of poverty. And I can tell you this, you're not going to do it. And here's why. Because the Bible says you'll always have the poor among you. you always have the poor with you, right? Slaves. Now, when I say slave, I'm not talking about Bible servant, Bible slave, because that was a doulas, right? And that was a person that gave up their rights 
and serve their master, which is what Jesus did for God. He became that, okay? When we talk about slaves, let me, think, let me just bring this point to you, okay? That part of our history was bad, okay? No man should own another man, okay? I, I, I get that. I understand that. That's not what we're talking about in biblical days. Those, those men, yes, they were owned, but it's a different idea mindset. Some of these people said, I want to be your slave. I want to, hey, if I serve your family, will you give me, instead of money, will you give me wages? Will you give me room, board, feed me? Okay? And they said, yes. And we go, we're okay with that. But we don't like this idea of slavery. Let me ask you this. The Bible says that a slave or a borrower is a slave to the lender. Anybody got mortgages? Anybody got car payments? You're not going to get rid of it. It's always going to be there. So I say that to say, we have to look back and go, okay, is my Western thinking causing me not to see some things that God's wanting me to see in all of this? I'm not, don't hear me. Don't, don't take a two-minute clip out of a podcast that goes, this guy's crazy. Hear me all the way out. I'm not saying that I'm okay with slavery. I'm just saying, if we look at what the Scripture says, it says that the borrower is going to be a slave. Because what do they have to do? they got to get up and go to work every morning. What if God called us right now and said, everybody in this room, I want you to take three days off of work, and I want you to meditate. I want to show you something. Oh, I don't have any leave. I don't have any sick leave. I can't just call in. I can't be. Whose slave are you? I know some of you are going, well, you don't know. I, 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 I didn't say I was going to be nice. I just said I'd try to be nice, okay? So there are things that God's going, hey, wait a minute. I want, I want you to have a new way of thinking. What if I knew that I was blessed and that meant that I'm prosperous, I'm healthy, I'm happy, joyful, right? If I understood what that word meant. And then when something happened, I'm tell, I'll just say this right now. Most of you in here probably believe the exact same way. There's something coming down the pipe. I don't know exactly what it is. Sunday, you're going to get a taste of it. All right? Man, should I do this? I'll do it at the end. Okay? But there is something coming down the pipe that's going to shake people to their very core. Now, I thought, and my wife will... Bear witness with this. And I'll tell you two things. Number one, I was walking through the living room one day, and I, I came walking through, and I said, whoa, who's this guy? And it was a little-known senator from Chicago, Illinois, that nobody knew about, and his name was Barack Obama. And I said, whew, this guy's bad. We better watch him. And she's like, how do you know? I said, I don't know who this guy is, but I just, this guy is bad. Did I not? prophesied right there. Boom. Huh? Yeah. And the Lord just said, hey, this guy. You say, well, can everybody can change? They can. But remember, uh, we're going to get into the sovereignty of God and we're going to explain all this stuff, right? Like, is God in control of everything? Does he manipulate everything? Da, 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 all that stuff. We'll get there. Okay. But God knows all. He's omnipotent. Right? He knows everything. And he just gave a warning, hey. So that happened. And then when the COVID happened, do you remember, these people just started dying. Bang, 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 bang. And some of them were like, 
man, there's no reason. And I told Sherry, I said, the fear that has gripped the people, the scripture that came to mind, it said, because of fear, men's heart will fail them. And I thought it was that. I don't think it's that. I think it's what's coming. That if you're not prepared, you thought you had anxiety. I mean, none of us have been in a situation where we were threatened with our lives and they were coming for us. Can you imagine three million people? You know they was pushing against each other. They saw Pharaoh's army, the dust storm coming. They're going, what do we do now? Uh, I mean, they were freaking out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Moses lifts up his rod. Whoa. The water goes back, and they're like, I don't think they were still satisfied with that. I think they were, especially the ones in the back were like, move, move, right? <laughs> you better get your butts moving. <laughs> they didn't care about their language, right? I mean, they were like, get going. And then they did. What I'm saying is, and I'm not saying that to scare you, all right? Let me, let me preface this. When I, before I said that, I should have said this, fear not. Parush, no. Parush and Yara are the same word, fear. One is the fear that you feel of like an impending doom, right? The Yara is a fear of the awesomeness of God. Like, like we would say in a healthy relationship, I fear my dad, right? I don't want my dad to find out what I did because <laughs> I'm going to get a whooping. Not the Jews. They're, they're traveling God says, you're my chosen people. We have Jews. And when I say Jews, I'm talking about like people that God handpicked, right? That are still rejecting him. The, 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 the Orthodox Jew. We're still waiting on our Messiah. Dude, he's here. And then you have the messed up Jews, right? I mean, the Messianic Jews. That have said, we, we keep these traditions, but we recognize Jesus, Yeshua, as the Savior. Okay? So their eyes have been opened. I mean, how does, let me ask you this. How does somebody come into a service, and we've all been in a service where God just shows up, shows out, wrecks us all, right? How do we do that when you're sitting next to someone, and you're like, oh, my gosh, how could we ever live past this? God is so good. And the next person is like, hey, is McDonald's bringing the McRib back? How does that happen? How does that happen? Because it's, it's on us. That's what I'm saying. I mean, can God just slay somebody? Like, can he knock them out? So, yeah, but it's like, that's very infrequent. I would hate to know that that was what we based our stuff on. No, it's about, I mean, think about it. When you fell in love with the love of your life, all you did was think about them, right? And, and to be with them and, you know, I mean, and even still to this day, I mean, my wife, you know, I mean, when we go to bed, like, my foot will find her. Nope, there she is. And as long as it's just my little toe, I'm okay, Right? We went fishing, and my leg was all over. I was like, oh, she ain't even here, you know? <clears throat> that kind of stuff that you, you don't even realize that you're doing it, right? You're just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to be with this person. I wanna, and that's where we start getting, I can't get into this tonight. We might have to kind of finish this up a little bit, but I wanted you to see something. I wanted you, I wanted you to see this. Uh, let me go here real quick. Can you all give me 10 minutes? Okay. Let's go to numbers real quick. Um, no, I'm sorry. Let's go to Exodus first. Exodus 32. 
I'm not going to read all that I was going to read. I was going to read verses. I, I encourage you to go read uh, verses 1 through 29. Um, so this is where they're making a golden calf. Uh, Moses goes up on the mountain. Um, the people are like, golly, how long is he going to be up there? Right? Murmuring, biting, complaining, all the junk. Right? How long is he going to be up there? And so the Lord tells Moses, hey, you need to get down to your people real quick because they've already rebelled. And they're making golden idols down there. I mean, God's telling Moses what's going on. Moses is up there meeting with God. So let's go to verse 20. um, 25. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and shouted, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. Moses told them, This is what the Lord of God of Israel says. Each of you take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to, kill, to the other. Kill everyone, even your brother, your friend, your neighbor. And you go, Oh my gosh, this guy is harsh. This God is... Who would want to serve a God like this? Ever heard that deal? Right? Because they don't understand what's going on here. They got the Ten Commandments back in 19 through 24. Actually, they got them twice. All right? Moses was the first to break the law. Because when he brought them down, he slammed them on the ground and broke them. All right? So they had to go back up in there. And there's a huge, if you want to have a really good Bible study, God provided the stones the first time. But he told Moses he had to go get the stones the second time. Go figure that one out. You'll be amazed what's in there. So he intercedes. Moses intercedes. Uh, there's about 3,000 people that die that day, which is pretty good. Remember, there's a bunch of people with them, right? Three million people. And then Moses tells Levi, Today you have ordained yourself for the service of the Lord, for you obeyed him, even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers, and today you've earned a blessing. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says, If you love your mother, brother, father, sister, husband, uncle, sister, uh, third cousin removed, whatever, more than you love me, you're not worthy for the kingdom. What's he saying? Type and shadow what's going on. If you love them more, if you're willing to follow them, you're not worthy to come into this kingdom. That's harsh. But what was he doing? He was saying, listen, you knew the consequences of what I told you. Thank God that he told Abraham, or excuse me, he told Adam and Eve in the garden, if you eat this fruit, you're going to die. And he stood by his word. I have another scripture where a man in numbers is picking up sticks on the Sabbath. And they grab him up and they said, everybody in the congregation get a stone. And they stoned him to death. And you go, dude, that's harsh. No. It's harsh because you don't understand the nature of God. He gave them rules. He said, listen, you're out of control. I'm going to set some boundaries down. Do not cross these boundaries. If you cross this boundary, here's the consequence that would happen to you. You could die. And this guy's out there, do, 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 picking up sticks. Oh, I got to just have something to do. The Lord said, no. And they killed him. And you know what the people did? Don't pick up sticks on the Sabbath. <laughs> they understood the seriousness of what God, he set boundaries and then said, don't cross them. Or this is what's going to happen. We go, well, that's not very loving. It's extremely loving. It's like boxers in a boxing arena. When they're in there in the ropes and they feel the ropes, they use the ropes to know where they are in the ring, right? They can't just take off. That that ring is supposed to hold them, right? God says, look, here's your arena. Everything in it, man, go have fun. Don't go outside of it. 
because it's bad. It's going to cost you something, and the, you can't pay that debt. It's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you your health, blah, blah, blah. And we go, yeah, but God, no, you want your way, not Yahweh. And there's a consequence to that. And when we start seeing the nature of God, it's like, he's not mean. He's just being a God of his word. Yeah. The, the, the stuff that's for us, there is a huge thing in the scriptures. It's called the if-then statement. God said the if-then statement. It's like um, any computer guys. You're a computer guy, aren't you? If you remember, I'm showing my age here. At Alma, our first computer stuff was Commodore 64s. Real-to-real, all right? Now, the first day you went in there and you did your you did your. Uh, computing and stuff, right? And then you backed it up on tape. We had a 55-minute class. It took you 47 minutes to download last week's or yesterday's class on tape. So you only had about 15 minutes of work. You had to work fast. <laughs> but we had these if-then statements. If this happened, then go to here, right? In all of the, most all of the scripture says, if you blah, 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 I will blah, blah, blah. It's an if-then. It's about relationship. You say, yeah, but what about people that don't have a relationship and they, God deals with them too. That's why the scripture says that didn't you come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Those are people that did not have a relationship with Jesus and they were still doing the work. But he said, get away from me because it's not about the works, it's about the relationship. That's a scary thing. Lord, please. Don't ever let anything happen under my hands, a, a blind eye open, a deaf ear, hear Kim, whatever it may be, that I would be a, in that place. And I think there are times that God did not answer my prayers for healing. And when I say didn't answer my prayer, I did not see it manifest. I believe God still, remember the rock, okay? He tells Moses, speak to the rock. Moses gets mad, he whacks it. Water comes gushing out, and God says, I told you to speak to it. It's going to cost you the promised land. But why did water come out? Because he still cared for the people, even though Moses did it wrong. So in my wrongdoing, the people I'm praying for still get the blessing. I just don't know about it, because right? I don't want my head to get in front of my heart and me think that it's something about me, when it's not. It's all about him, right? So I need to get in relationship with him so that this becomes a non-issue, I go, hey, it's supposed to happen this way because he loves you. And I carry his glory. I carry his spirit in me. Right? So anyway, um, I, what I wanted to bring out in that is that the people knew. Nobody got death because they didn't know. God gave them the Ten Commandments. He set rules and regulations. We see this. He tells the, the priest, how did he, what did he tell them? He said, listen, nobody touches my glory. And yet they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant in on some ox. And one of the guys, it hits a rock and it, and it dunk, dunk, right? And as it does, he's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Crispy critter, right? God fried him. And you go, that's harsh. No, God said, don't. I don't need your help. <laughs> Do not touch my glory. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Well, he gave them the instructions, like, here's how you're going to do this. Remember, there was a certain, uh, in the Levi, uh, the uh, Kurdon, the Kurdons were the ones who carried the, the ark. And God gave them very specific instructions, like, here's how you're going to do. You're going to take these poles, and you're going to run it through these rings, and it's going to be this many men, da, 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 all that stuff, right? I mean, there was rules and regulations everywhere. In the better covenant, what happened to the rules and regulations? They all fell on Jesus, and he fulfilled every one of them. He said, now you've got this newfound freedom. It's like, wow. And we go, I can, I can live like this. I can be this over here. And, I, and it's like, you have missed the mark. <laughs> That's a sin, man. You've missed the mark. This is about a relationship. This is about loving. This is about going, <gasps> this reverent awe, right? This yara, where you go, oh, because he's so good. Amen? Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercies. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your scriptures tell us that you're not a man. You're not a God who goes back on his word. And once you say it, once you pronounce it, it is a done thing. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are kind and benevolent, that you have made a way for us to come to you and to come to you as righteous, to come to you clean because of the blood of Jesus, because of your son. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus, for being obedient even unto death, for coming back to life, for being resurrected. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you would say yes to that plan and in, in so doing, giving us a better covenant. We thank you for that. Father, help us to live out all of our days with you on our minds, with your spirit in our heart, with our um, ways and our eyes looking forward um, to our redemption. Father, as we walk through this life, Lord, we're asking for opportunities that your glory would shine through us. That, Father, the power that you have given to us would be evident in our lives, that men would see it, and because they see our good works, they're drawn to you, just as your word says. We thank you, Lord, that it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. So, Father, in this day as we're living, Father, we're asking for more. Father, reveal to us more, release more to us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to live in such a way, Lord, that we are good sons and good daughters. We thank you for it now. Father, we bless these people in Jesus' name. Amen.